The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora and welcome to Paper Cuts, the podcast all about books. I'm Louisa Cossa. I'm Karen Das. And I'm Gina Todd. And you can hit us up on Twitter and Insta and email. We're at papercutspod um, and we're papercutspod at gmail.com. Um, so today on Paper Cuts, we're going to have, as per usual, a little bit of book news, some reviews, a TBR pile, and we're not going to do not books. This not time. this time anyway. Maybe but, later. Uh, we were kind of hoping that you guys would make more of a fuss when we said we weren't going to do <laughs> we not books. we threatened to cut it. Yeah, we thought there was going to be like a national outcry. <laughs> but, um, you know, but, some, but um, someone did get in touch. They did. Um, do you want to? Oh, yes. So we had um, a listener, Ali Benj. Who wrote in and said, I'm Ali Bench. I love paper cuts. It Yay. makes my day when the new one comes out. Today's one is a banger. In regards to cutting not books, I had an idea of something that might be cool, but I don't want to sound like a middle aged white man with some thoughts. So totally disregard if you <laughs> already have an idea for a replacement. But We love you, Ali. <laughs> so she is saying um, that. She really likes the Hilo podcast, mm. which we've talked about on the pod. It's her second favourite podcast. Yeah. Cuts. Thank you, Ellie. Yeah. And they often talk, in addition to books, about journalistic writing and essays and the conversations around them. And she thinks it's a great part of the podcast and that the pieces are quick reads. Um, so easy to kind of just, you know, nip off and look at what they've discussed. Um, and she reckons that maybe we could do something similar. I feel like we did do that right in the beginning and then we yeah. just faded right into TV. We, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that maybe it was just a case of yeah, not thinking about what we actually consume. Yeah. Mm, so Ali's saying that she wishes there was a New Zealand equivalent of that, um, that there's so much good journalism and essays mm. being published on the spin-off and the pantograph punch, and um, if we included um, stuff like that, then it could be kind of neat. Stuff that doesn't get a lot of critical engagement. Um, I think it's a great suggestion. I think it's a great suggestion. Thank you, Ali. Thanks so much for writing. And yeah, um, she says, keep up the amazing podding. So Aww. that's really nice to hear from her. And I um, should also mention that another very important person um, was in favour of keeping notebooks, and that was Tina. Tina! So <laughs> your vote counts too. So we yeah. have two votes. Yeah. <laughs> two votes for keeping it. I'm not going to be able to um, recommend 100% Hotter this time. <laughs> have you seen that? 
It's crazy. <laughs> oh, 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 God. It's probably for the best. It is probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> and we had another email in from Zoe Colling who wrote in and said, I really enjoy the Paper Cuts podcast. Thanks, Karen, Jenna and Louisa for your great thoughts and conversations about books and other matters. It's stellar. Thanks again for the entertaining and informative podcast. So thank you, Zoe, for writing in to us. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, should we talk about Lucy's email as well? Oh, Lucy Diver. Hi, Lucy Diver. Hi, Lucy Diver. Hi, Lucy. She also wrote in and said that she was on the train and in a grump and that we sorted out her mood for her. That so, was really nice. She yeah. lives in London and she works for Granta. Yeah, I think she was on the tube, actually. She was on the tube. Yes. <laughs> and she was listening to us all talk about three women and then she got off the tube and then saw someone with a three-woman tote and it's, you know, all around the world. Um, I feel like it's a good thing if we have Lucy Diver's approval as yes. well. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, Lucy. Phew. Yeah, thank God. We passed the test. We're cool. Yeah. She's a cool millennial. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So do we want to move swiftly along to book news? Book well, news. We have so much book news oh my God. this time. Ooh, we need like a news sound, like a... There we go. Enough. Yeah. Done. Record, we need some record that. Make it into a soundboard, please, <laughs> Tina. No pressure. <laughs> so, book news. Yes, book news. So, um, first of all, shall we? We have talked about the Booker long list. Um, yeah. And soon enough, we'll be talking about the Booker short list. Well, it hadn't come out in the last pod. Yeah. It came out like the day after. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. We're so good at like getting our dates right. <laughs> yeah. <aren't we? laughs> so, what, what have we got? It's the, the Booker dozen. There's 13 books. It's almost no Americans this year. I guess um, Valeria Lewis Sally um, lives in America. She and does. Margaret Atwood is Canadian. But I just feel like there's a really interesting theme with the long list this year, and it's um, kind of reimagined stories. You've got um, Jeanette Winterson's Frankenstein and um, there's the book which is loosely based on Homer's Odyssey mm-hmm. and there's also a really strong ecological and environmental theme with The Wall by John Lanchester, Lanny by Max Porter and The Testaments by Margaret um, Atwood and the shortlist is announced September the 3rd. Sweet, yeah, so, so we're just t- in time to be too late. Just in time to be too late. <laughs> Do you guys want to like quickly say which books you've read? Yeah, from the list I, and what and what you're sort of what you want to win or if you have. I don't really concentrate too hard on the long list because it's just too stressful. You just wait till the short list comes out and you can narrow your priorities. But my favourite from the list and what I saw of what I've read um, and what I I was so happy to see it on there was Lanny by Max Porter, which Mm. is this beautiful little book that brings together myth and new media culture in a very clever, poetic, charming and kind of scary and then heartwarming way. I just loved that book. Mm. You just sold it to me. I want to read it now. Mm. Great. So I definitely don't try and read anything off the book a long list in earnest. I'll sort of wait, like Jenna, to the shortlist. But it just kind of turned out I think I've read um, and am currently reading five from the long <laughs> list, which um, on the way over, Louise said it's a very poor effort. <laughs> <laughs> I think I possibly read two, but yeah. that doesn't stop me from throwing the first stone. <laughs> so I've also read um, Lanny by Max Porter and The Wall by John Lanchester and um, 
The Man Who Saw Everything by Deborah Levy, oh. which is my book for review today. And the two books I'm currently reading is Ducks Newburyport by Lucy Ullman. And this book is amazing. It's about 1,030 pages long and it's one sentence. And it is... That um, is crazy. It's one woman. It's a, a woman in Ohio and it's her kind of inner monologue. And it's so crack up. It is really, really good. Um, I'm up to about a page 120. And it's a home book. It's one that I can't, it's not transportable because it's so big. Yeah, that's um, insane. And also reading Night Boat to Tangier by Kevin Barry, which is a great Irish novel. Mm. Um, can I ask, what did you think of The Wall? I really liked it. I really liked mm. it. It was a really quick read, sort of read it like in a day. I and I liked a lot of the themes, but I actually really like John Manchester. I think he's really oh, great. Interesting. I think I've only read, uh, was it called Capital? Capital? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I only, liked that. I only somewhat liked it. I yeah. liked it. I found it enjoyable, but it wasn't like something that kind of like stuck in my side and, mm. you know. I really liked the ideas that he explores in The Wall, just the kind of intergenerational conflict, which is something that really interests mm. me. Yeah, and also just kind of dealing with very present concerns and it's almost dystopian but mm. very realist cool. did you read it the wall yeah no i've only read it's, capital it's not one that i had out hand sell but um it's a great book yeah, i think we did sell the hell out of um capital when it came out mm. um yeah, I remember it having so a well. kind of Zadie Smithish vibe, almost that kind of contemporary yeah. London, people yeah. living in flats, and people and, how they're connected. And... Yeah, and quite a jolly sort of overall vibe. Like despite there being like drama and so on, to mm-hmm. me it felt like not too heavy, mm-hmm. um, which made it quite a good. Am I wrong? You look at you're looking no, at me as I'm if, just listening. Oh, I thought maybe maybe face. I'd forgotten <laughs> maybe I'd forgotten like at no, the no. point where everyone gets murdered or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a long time ago. Well, that could happen. I was starting yeah. to doubt myself. It's no, no. happened before. All right. Um, yeah, so, oh, can I actually have a look at the list? Yeah, I've, of um, course. I'm just looking at the book along list, Do guys. you have any predictions for the shortlist? I mean, it's quite interesting that the the Testaments is long-listed and no one has read it, apart, obviously, from the Book of Judges. But there were several books that... Um, yeah. There were quite a few books on there that hadn't been read. The Deborah Levy was one of them. Mm. Um, and I have a feeling Ducks Newburyport as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I've... Yeah, I mean, I've only read The Lost Children Archive. Um, which, which I just got discussed. a copy of today. Oh, good. I can't wait for you to read it. I can't I wait for gonna, you to read it, too. I think you're going to love it. I know I'm going to love it. I hope you're going to love it. Um... My prediction would be um, for the Alif Shafak to mm. win. Um, to win? I thought we were just talking about the shortlist. Oh, sorry. Straight in there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just had a thought. You know, I'm just thinking because of, like, the that context of... That book sounds of, incredible. Yeah, the book sounds... Yeah, I haven't read it. The book sounds incredible, and it would be a very um, newsworthy win. Mm-hmm. A newsworthy yeah. winner because she's um, had so much trouble mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with... Um, what's the word? Um, censorship. Thank you, censorship. <laughs> that old thing. That yes, old I, always, I forget every single word when I come on this podcast. Um, but I think it's an interesting long list, and I famously can never pick who will win. Neither. And I always think I know who ought to win, but I can never pick it. Would you Would you guys read The Margaret Atwood when it comes out? Are you interested in it? Um, Me, personally, I'm not, so mm-hmm. I won't read it. 
probably. Um, I have read The Handmaid's Tale. I've he- All I've heard about this one is that it has a slightly more, and I guess it's hinted at on the cover because it's green, that it's got a kind of climate change, ecological mm. kind of focus mm. maybe. But that's total speculation. Yeah. I, I don't know. Interesting. Um, and, yeah. It's under lock and key until publication yes. date, September the tenth. Yes, um, yeah. So that's a penguin one, but I don't, I don't really know anything more than you yeah. do. That's I actually um, heard the judges talk about the long list, and they talked about every title. And when they got to the testaments, they were kind of fizzing, like they were really? just kind of bugging out about it. And so it kind of made me wonder. Um, hmm. For listeners out there, they might be interested at the end of September. And in, in your local theatres, the the um, playing Margaret Atwood live, and it's so her in a conversation um, mm. with an, an actresses reading from her books. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure of the specific dates, but people seem to be fizzing about that mm. as well. Like is there it is a month in it or a whole lot. Well, I know personally that it's at Capitol on Dominion Road, yeah. but I'm sure it's going to be at other cinemas around the country as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will read it when it comes out. I'm definitely a Margaret Atwood reader. Yeah, imagine if she won the Booker again. That'd be crazy. And with that big gap in between. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. That would, also, that would also make for a good story. We'll definitely Who knows? talk about it more when it comes out. Yes, I even more. I'd be a bit disappointed if John Lanchester won. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at the list. He's, and I he's think cancelled. So many amazing. <laughs> oh, that book's been out all year. I just yeah, that's yeah. actually a bit how I feel. I feel like I read it a lifetime ago. Anyway, there's a new Salman Rushdie as well, so that's something to look out for. Mad, yes, a modern I day don't... reimagining of Don Quixote. Oh God. <laughs> Spare me. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, what we need. Yeah, just what the world needs. Mm. Hey, it could be amazing. It could be amazing. <laughs> it could be amazing. Um, all right. In other news, uh, in local news, the program has been announced for the 24th Going West Festival. So that's held in West Auckland. We've got um, some great Kiwi authors like Elizabeth Knox, Witty Ihemaida, and our friend, friend of the pod, Carl Shuka. I think he's a friend of the pod. He's our he mate. He tweeted at us once. Yeah. yeah. He's our mate that now. counts. <laughs> hey, Carl. <laughs> um, so yeah, get involved. That's at goingwest.co.nz. Um, and in some kind of industry news, we've had the Coalition for Books has been announced. So the Coalition for Books is a kind of overarching organisation that kind of goes across, I think, booksellers and publishers. Or libraries. Like, libraries. What else is there? Book Council. Book Council. Um, PANS are part of it. Um, yeah. Festivals. Did you already say festivals. that? Festivals. I didn't say that. Um, kind of basically anything related to the book trade. Mm. Yeah, um, so this is quite exciting news because they have all these, they have some quite cool stuff in train, um, like a searchable database of New Zealand books, like things that will just help the New Zealand book trade. Um, so if you are interested in hearing more about that, <laughs> you can listen to s- <laughs> Steve Ronius <laughs> talking about it on um on RNZ. <laughs> it's a really crazy It's a really interview. funny interview. That's why so I'm laughing. Um, so we'll link to that. And maybe to something that has actually more information about yeah. it as well. <laughs> there was actually another interview, which I haven't had time to listen to yet, from Sunday. Standing room only. Yeah, with Lynn Freeman. And that was with Juliet from Booksellers New Zealand, Mel from ANU, and maybe Nicola Leggett from Massey. Yes, I think there were the three of them yeah. speaking. Yeah. And I guess... The idea is, because um, Steve was quite 
wondering what it was or what it was <laughs> doing. Saying, I don't know. I don't what even know what this is. <laughs> but I give it a thumbs up. Um, a, a, they're really a, a group bringing together all parts of the literary sector to ensure that New Zealand books get the platform they deserve and that will be looking quite hard at where there's gaps where New Zealand books should be featured and campaigning mm. and making sure it happens. But they've received Creative New Zealand funding, mm. so Creative New Zealand obviously agree with what they yeah. want to are into yeah. and, it, and it's only going to be benefit the New Zealand book industry. It's I think just... it's good that they're identifying these gaps as well. Like I was talking to Nicola Leggett about it at Booksellers Conference on the weekend and she was just saying, you know, Kyoto Magazine has no books page anymore. Um, what would it take to kind of get that back? Because you think about the kind of coverage that that um, publication gets. Oh, so you just so reach so many people. Yeah, and yeah. That, yeah, and you know that's that's really important. Publishers really value that coverage, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it's and it's great to see people working together from across different publishers and across the industry. Yeah, it's a really really positive thing. So we're very excited. Yes. So speaking of the. Um, where you were over the weekend. <laughs> we were at a conference. Yeah. Wow. Jenna and I were at Booksellers um, Conference. Yeah. And you may remember that we recorded live last year from the Booksellers Conference, but we just thought we'd take a load off one mm. less that was to do That was very intense. And move that to today instead. <laughs> um, and we had the Book Trade Industry Awards as part of the New Zealand Booksellers Conference. And I've got a whole host of amazing winners to to read from. So these are the best in the book industry at the moment. List them off, JT. So the Nielsen Bookshop of the Year is Unity Books Auckland. The Nielsen Publisher of the Year is Penguin Random House NZ. Shout out, Louisa. Yeah, it's all me. Thank you. The (laughs) sales rep of the year is Louise Chris, South Island rep Penguin Random House New Zealand. The Marketing and Publicity Strategy of the Year uh, went to Eleanor Numwin for Magnolia Kitchen by Bernadette G. Uh, young Publisher of the Year, Kimberly Davis from Eleanor Umwin. Young Bookseller of the Year, Suri Reddy from Time Out Bookstore. Book Industry Innovation Award went to Word Christchurch Festival. Yeah. And the Lifetime Achievement Award went to Rob and Kay Clark from Paper Plus Coastlands, and that's the big cheese award at the end of the so night. Nice. That's always such a feel good moment. Eh? Yeah, yeah. They've run Paper Plus for 40 years and they felt like they were just getting started. <laughs> it was so cute <laughs> in the speech. I feel like I'm just getting the hang of it. Yeah, it was oh, very gosh. sweet. So it was a great awards. We just had. Lots of booze. It was kind of classic me turning around and everyone's gone home and I'm still there. Yeah, yeah. I think I was trying to leave for about three hours. Yeah. But, you, know, you sort of see people and you slowly wait your mate, make your way across the room. Mm. Yeah. Lots. We just leave when the wine runs out. Yeah, yeah. And the wine did run out. Eventually. And we Bloody left then. But the, so many warm fuzzies. It's a really nice awards to go to because mm. everybody's so supportive of each other. Yeah. Lots of tea. I think I t- cried like three times. <laughs> It was Cute. really sweet. It was a I sweet cried night. a couple of times. I was going to say, Karen, yeah. it's usually me and you. If <laughs> <laughs> you were there, I would have been even more. We would have. You and I would have been crying all the way through yeah. from start to finish if I'd been there. <laughs> and then uh, Karen and I were there. Well, I was there at eight fifteen the next morning, so it was a, a long I was, weekend. I was a bit slack. I got there at nine thirty-five. That's still that's still pretty good. But to be fair. On the night of the awards, I did get there at 8.30 in the morning for the trade day. Yeah, so it was a long day. we've had a big bookie weekend. Yeah. And um, we also met, um, so Booksellers New Zealand is the umbrella association that looks 
after all the bookstores and booksellers and Lincoln Gould who was the CEO his, is the CEO and he's been working there for 10 years he's about to retire so we met the new association manager named Dan Slevin he's a really great guy he's going to start in October too he's really enthusiastic and and I think it's going to all move forward in a great direction positive yeah positive of, all round lots of change but lots of excitement mm-hmm. all right um, I see here that we have a giveaway. We do. Well, yes. Tell, someone tell me about it because I don't. I I don't know. Which links? It's all to, news um, to me. Another bit of news was Obama's annual summer reading list, which um, over the time I've worked in bookshops and Obama's been around, people do really good readers come in and say, "Do you have this book?" It was on Obama's reading list, and it's just been published, eh? I imagine a president that reads yeah. and has amazing taste. I know, it makes you nostalgic, doesn't it? <laughs> what did you say to me, Jenna, um, when it came out? You were like, oh, there was a time when there was a US president that still read and Anthony Bourdain was still alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I said that on the podcast. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. But I think that actually one of the people that was on the list, the author of American Spy, can't remember her name right now, she said something to that effect too. She said, mm. wow, this is so such a wonderful honour and to think we once had a president who read books kind of thing mm-hmm. um so i got her i've got her book on my waiting list at the oh, library yay. american spy so yeah whenever there's a list of books um i always try and like read one of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Get, and i think his his list usually captures a mood of mm. that year as yeah. well um so one of the books is called inland by tia albrecht sure and we have a signed copy from our friends at hachette to give to a listener. Yay! Thank you, Hachette. Thank you. I just realised it was signed. That's yeah. so exciting. That That's huge. So cool. None huge of us news. have read this book, so we want you to um, tell us what you think once you've read it. Yeah, although, have you guys read The Tiger's Wife? I have not read The Tiger's Wife. I actually did read it, but I'm damned if I can remember a goddamn thing about it. Mm. But it was a few years ago, but I really enjoyed it. So that must have come out... Cool. Like 2013 or yeah yeah so yeah. what we want you to do and it's just an easy google away is if you can just email us at papercutspod at gmail.com and just tell us what prize the tiger's wife won mm-hmm. you can tell us what year it was too Ooh, we yeah like we'd to love know. to know <laughs> yeah we can't use google <laughs> no <laughs> but i was really happy to see on obama's list uh what is maybe my favorite book of the year so far it's only August, so there's more to come. But I just loved it. It's called The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. And did you guys read The Underground Railroad? No, but it won the Pulitzer. It won the Pulitzer ago. and the National Book National Award. National Book Award, yeah. And was an Oprah's book club. As well. <laughs> Such a weird uh, trio. Um, so The Nickel Boys, I was really putting it off reading it because I knew it was going to be hard in mm. some places, but it's about a young boy called Alwood Curtis. He's one of the most gorgeous characters I've read about in a wee while, and he's a young, idealistic boy in 1962 Florida, and he he just lives his life very well. His parents are gone, but he lives with a very caring grandmother, and he works in a tobacco store, and that owner really looks after him. And he's a really great teacher who gets him early entry into college for free. He's African-American. And he's also really loves Martin Luther King. His words carry him through his his daily life. And he is hitchhiking to um, college one day because there's the bus strikes 
um, and there's also his bike was got got um, mangled in a scuffle, and so oh the bus boycott sorry so mm-hmm. um, while he, when he gets in the car, he ends up being travelling in a stolen car, and the um, so they get pulled over the, by the police and he's sent to a reform school, which is called the Nickel School for Boys, and this is based on a real school which just closed down ten years ago called the Doja School for Boys. And that was also in Florida. And in the last 10 years, they've dug up, uh, I think, 88 bodies <gasps> on the school grounds. Oh, and 10 years oh ago is not that long ago for it no. to close down. So it was it's a terrific. Se- it's a segregated school, and it was infamous for having this room called the White House where boys would be taken there in the middle of the night and beaten. Um, but I have to tell you, this book is really hopeful and Elwood is just, in his mind, he's like, if I do the right thing, mm. I will get by. Mm. Um, and he has these some beautiful friends around him. And it's not too graphic. You don't. It doesn't get too nitty-gritty uh, detailed. It's only 210 pages. But it was amazing. I could not sleep after I finished it. Ooh. I yeah. remember after Jenna read it, she described it as electrifying. Yeah. I, just, I really liked that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like really, it really, really moved me. And I feel like it will be a school text. Mm-hmm. Jenna, it sounds like the kind of book where he has handled sensitive topics in a really careful, beautiful way. Yeah. That he, it's not, that he knows his boundaries or knows how to. Yeah, he's quite a plain writer, mm. quite straightforward writer. And for example, one part there's a character these the characters, the boys, find this kind of horse poison in a shed and they decide they want to poison one of the teachers mm. through it and they're going through the names and saying, Who should we poison? And one boy this wee boy called Jamie, he's Mexican, he just gets moved between the black kids and the white kids every few weeks. Oh, um he just says, I want to poison this particular teacher. And it's described, he has this look in his eyes and the kids know why he wants to poison him. And the reader, you know why he mm. wants to poison him, but you don't need to say it. Mm. And it's just, you know, it's it, that's the way that it's written. It's just all suggested. Right. Lots yeah. of things left unsaid, but yeah. implied. Yeah. Right. Which oh, is, yeah. That's, that's a very skillful way to write mm. and not easy, I imagine. Yeah. Totally. And the end, by the time you get to the end, you realise you've read a completely different book to what you think you've been reading the whole time. Oh. Yes. Very intriguing. That's not even my official book review, but I have to talk about it. It's so <laughs> yeah, good. can't wait to read it. So of course, Obama liked it. It's such an Aww. Obama book. <laughs> All right. Well, should we do our book reviews now? Yeah. yeah. Jenna, do you want to go? No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> right. I'm just going to sit here and drink my yeah. drink my bubbles. Yeah, we've, we've got, got bubbles today. People. Yes, it's the dawn of a new era, or maybe error. We shall see. <laughs> I think we'll see how this goes. Thank you for laughing at that joke. I was not sure how that was going to go down. Um, Okay, shall I do my review? Mm -hmm. I haven't made any notes, so I'm kind of flying blind here. But um, so the book I'm going to review is called Guest Book Ghost Stories, and it's written by Leanne Shapton, published by Particular Books, and it came out this year, I believe. Um, Yes. So this is a, it's an illustrated book. It's mm. it's kind of, so Leanne Shapton is someone who 
I'll pick up whatever she's putting down. Like, I really, really love Leanne Shapton. And Karen, I know you feel the same way. I absolutely love her. Um, so she's a terrific um, writer and illustrator and um, artist, photographer. She has um, published some incredible books over the year, including, I think this book is probably mine and your favourite, among our favourites, Karen, um, Important Artifacts yeah. and Personal Property from the collection of Lenore Doolin and Harold Morris, including books, street fashion and jewellery. And yes, that is the title of the book. I think it's actually one of my favourite <laughs> books ever. I've gifted it to so many people. We've, we've talked book. about it on the podcast. We've talked about yeah, it on the yeah. before, yeah. And, um, Just also, reiterating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't we talk about it some more? I've read it. I love it. Yeah. I've read it only this year. Oh, did you? Mm. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's made some terrific books. And um, she is kind of part of this cohort of um, female writers that includes Sheila Hetty and Heidi Ulovitz. Mm. Um, and I think they're all Canadian writers. I think they're all associated with the Sweeney at some point. Um, the Sweeney being the literary magazine. McSweeney's. Sorry, McSweeney's. And then the Sweeney is um, what's the online magazine. That's totally different. Anyway, sorry, McSweeney's. <laughs> I'm confusing two different things. McSweeney's. <laughs> Um, and so Leanne Chapton, Heidi Ulovitz, and Sheila Hetty, and especially Leanne Chapton. They, She's my favourite. I want to be their friend, and mm. I specifically want to be her friend. There is something just so cool about her aesthetic. Anyway, mm. I should probably... It's so funny. I was saying to Karen earlier, this book doesn't have a plot, so it's probably going to be sweet, because I can never talk... <laughs> I always forget to talk about... I'm still... Boring. I haven't said anything about this book. Um, but that's okay. I'm just providing you with background. <laughs> So this is an illustrated book, and it's a book of ghost stories, but um, the ghost stories are mainly visual, so it's just a beautifully produced book. It's I think it's $65, so it's not cheap. It's a beautiful hardback, and it's heavily illustrated throughout. It's all on, um, it's all black and white, internal, the internal pages are all black and white. It includes um, Shapton's photography. Um, watercolors um, and they are ghost stories but they're not they're not traditional ghost stories they're not supernatural they're ghost stories but they're not yeah. really supernatural they're kind some of... of them have elements of the supernatural but mainly it's just about kind of like like the presence and erasure in our visual culture I would say so um, there's one really great um, Nothing is laid out and foregrounded for you. You just start reading and looking at the images and you think, I don't know what's going on. And then you sort of, the clues are all there, but you sort of have to look for them. So one of them, my favourites, is a series of party photos mm. um, that are taken at all these really, really glitzy kind of New York parties, like the opening of like Fabrizio Moretti's new clothing line or what have you. And um, to use a really <laughs> dated reference... <laughs> Um, and there's this man who's in every single photo and they're all mm. from the same date mm -hmm. and they're kind of and then some of them are from different areas in the world and he's just this kind of like bon vivant sort of guy in a bright blue suit who's just in every photo looking so cheerful but it's quite ghostly as well and um, there's other series there's one of um, empty beds that's called at the foot of the bed taken from the perspective looking at the bed but and is it's it there the like menus, the list of kind of Yes, yes, there's there's all kinds of things. There's, there's floor, all these floor plans, plans yeah. there's um it's just an amazing book. It's a really it's a real triumph of visual storytelling yeah. and of the kind of fusion between images and words that Shapton does so well. And I mean, even the cover is just so thoughtful. Mm. It's this this funny doodle and you think, what is that? It looks like a kind of naive drawing of a hill. 
And you'll see on the back, it's a drawing of an iceberg by the Titanic survivor George Rhyme, R-H-E-I-M-S. Anyway, it's just everything is... Everything is ghostly. Everything is also really aesthetically pleasing. I love how the very photos cool. are really grainy. And it's yeah. so, like, sub- she's so subversive. She's such a she subversive, um, has a subversive eye and will subvert your expectations of what a photograph or an image will mean and how what language a book relates is. to it. Yeah. yeah. And, how, and, like, different sort of forms of storytelling and how you can tell a narrative the way she does it is so inventive. Yeah. And uh, it, it's making art of the everyday and the yeah. domestic, right? And it, she's an old mate of um, Miranda July as well. And I think yes. of the Learning to Love You More project and that similar vein of pl- piecing things together and bringing mm. different parts of things together and telling a story out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And she has, she also, I mean, even the end papers are just mm. like this beautiful kind of vintage Christmas cardy looking thing. Um, actually, Miranda July is one of the people who's um, commented on the back about yeah. how great this book is. So basically, I just want to be Leanne Chapton's best mate. She's amazing. Um, She's so singular. So cool. Just such an incredible individual vision. Um, Did you Do you own the book? I bought it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I bought it with my own hard-end boleros. <laughs> like a you did R&R and I say, no, you've got to buy that. <laughs> well, yeah. that's um, a big call for well. a $65. I will but literally it's... buy anything so that, that Leanne Chapton puts out. And like... it's an object that you'll revisit and it has so many layers that reveal themselves to you and they're the kind of just the images are the kind of thing you really sit with you kind of Mm. look at it and you're like I'm looking for something in this image where is it yeah Um, it's telling me there's a list that tells me what's in this image where is it yeah absolutely (laughs) you just it's really about looking and paying attention and there's lots of the more you look at it the more there is there's lots of stuff about like um you know um, I think Shepton's own family history and kind of like when they migrated to Canada. And so it's just so rich. I'm going to keep on rereading mm. it, I'd say, over the next year or two. Uh, maybe you should make that my birthday book. Oh, mm. yes. Okay. Okay, I guess I won't be buying it for you for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, Great yeah. review. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed reading that one. I read it of a morning. Like mm-hmm. it was, there's not much text. Pure joy reading stuff by her. Eh? The only one I wasn't, I mean, I've read everything she's done. The only one I didn't really like was Woman in Clothes, the collaborative oh, one. Oh, I like Woman yeah, in Clothes. I wasn't that into it. I like the other ones a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think of, I've read Women in Clothes. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to, but I had huge expectations. So it wasn't really fair, I mm-hmm. think. But mm-hmm. I think that Leanne Shepton is probably the stronger of, yeah. of those three. Although, yeah. I, although I did I read so. Heidi Ulovitz's book, um, The Folded Clock, and I really enjoyed ah, that. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, um, I'll bring it. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a gorgeous book and it also has a really nice aesthetic. She's not as pro- prolific, Heidi Ulovitz. Um, anyway, sorry, my review is officially finished. Thank you. Oh, well done. And now I believe it's time for Is it me? Okay, if you so like. I did say that I've... Um, Finished reading The Man Who Saw Everything. I keep wanting to call it The Man Who... The Man Who um, Would Not See? The Man Who Wasn't There. Oh. <laughs> That's what I keep wanting What's to The say. Man Who Wasn't There? Is that an album? I think it's a film. Is it oh. like a James Bond film? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, this is The Man Who Saw Everything by Debra, Debra Levy. And um, anyone 
would know by now that Deborah Levy is one of my favourite writers and I've put her books in the hands of hundreds of people. I love her writing. And you previewed this. I previewed it last time. Um, and I followed through <laughs> with what I was doing. But she's been publishing books in a really interesting sequence. So she alternates between instalments of what she calls her living autobiography with a work of fiction. So she had her novel Swimming Home, and then that was followed by her first memoir, Things I Don't Want to Know, which is her response to Orwell's Why I Write. And it's her memoir about her time in her 40s. And then after that was the novel Hot Milk. Mm -hmm. And then that was followed by the second instalment of um, her memoir, The Cost of Living, which is her response to A Room of One's Own. And it's about her life in her 50s. And so now we have this novel, The Man Who Saw Everything, which will be followed up with a as yet unlived and unwritten memoir about her life in her 60s. What an organised person she must be. (laughs) And um, I feel like there's all these little motifs that kind of appear in in that sequence anyway. But this is her um, seventh novel, I think, and it's um, her third consecutive Booker nomination, so just give her the bloody Booker already. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to say straight away that while this book is so deftly and expertly plotted, I kind of think to talk about the plot is a little bit meaningless because it's quite transcendent. Um, The way all these sort of recurring motifs come together and Levy lays out all these little clues for the reader along the way and things sort of start to come into focus. It's really, really clever. But anyway, it opens up with a Susan Sontag quote, to photograph people is to violate them by seeing them as they never see themselves. And this is really significant because I guess it's about turning people into objects. And Saul, the character in this book, he's very beautiful. They keep referring to his... um, Blade Runner blue eyes and um, he's very beautiful and his girlfriend Jennifer Morrow she's an art student and she's studying photography and she's always sort of going on about his beauty and she's kind of capturing it in her photographs in quite an obsessive strange kind of way Um, So anyway, what Levy has done with this book is that she's sort of deftly interwoven two parallel versions of the same story So it opens in 1989 where Saul, he's a um, historian and he's studying communist Eastern Europe and cultural opposition to fascism and he's writing a paper about Stalin. So he's hit by a car on the Abbey Road crossing. Um, God, the the pop culture references are coming thick and fast. And um, so his girlfriend is actually trying to take a photo of him crossing the crossing like the the Beatles album. (laughs) Anyway, he gets hit by a car. Sorry, why are we laughing? Um, And he's not really injured. Anyway, he's not quite injured. So he sort of gets up. Um, Jennifer breaks up with him. And then he travels to East Berlin for uh, research. After she lets him get hit by a car for <laughs> her project. <laughs> oh, no, I think he visits her after he gets hit by a car. She go, she takes off. Anyway, um, so he goes to East Berlin for research and he falls in love with his translator, Walter. Mm. And But then it's 2016, so some 30 years later. Ooh. And, you know, Germany is now united. Mm. Saul's been hit by a car on Abbey Road, but he's in hospital and he's quite um, damaged, and he's trying to make sense of what's going on. So, <laughs> Wait, so he gets hit again by a car? Well, exactly. Oh, what, what's going on? What's going oh, it's on? It's all crazy. <laughs> it's not really, but um, 
It's it's very intriguing, very mysterious. There are heaps of questions throughout, and it's all about coincidence and dualities and mistaken identity and memory. And Saul's an unreliable narrator, and all these people kind of drift in and out of his reality, and you don't quite know if it's really happening or not. And when it's happening, he doesn't know what year it is. Um, cool. And... His psychological state is basically unstable, but he's so lucid as well. And there's this word spectre that's a repeated motif. They keep referring to that. There is a spectre inside every photograph. And Ooh. I guess, you know, that's like a ghost or an apparition. So relates Which, to the guest and book. it relates book. to the guest book as well. And, and it's not like Karen and I planned this because we only chose our books today. <laughs> we did. We did indeed, yeah. And so there's also this parallel of the Berlin Wall and Brexit and political division and unrest. Oh, yeah. The male tyrant. And it's about envy and beauty and history and language and lariat language barriers um quite often Saul says I don't understand you know someone will say something and he's, I don't understand what does that mean um and I think in all of her work whether it's fictional memoir Levy her work poses questions um who writes the story of our life and how do you step outside of that story or how can you rewrite it um or rebuild it and she's got a theatre background um but more from an art kind of angle and I think that really informs her work because she has this really innate understanding of tension and pace she's such an attentive writer and I could when I was reading this I could imagine it as a Goddard film Mm. and then I thought oh of course you know on the cover of one of her books there's the still of Anna Karina from a Goddard film Um, or even a Fassbinder film but the way she sort of deals with the fluidity of time and her sense of timing is really tremendous I think it sort of comes from that theatre thing Um, but it has like all her books this really offbeat humour and oddness which I really love this kind of quiet sense of the absurd that kind of runs beneath the sinister underlying themes um, that keeps things moving along Um, And this is largely set in Germany. And when you think about it, all of her books are kind of set somewhere else. She sort Mm. of takes her um, characters out of Britain and they're sort of set somewhere else. And it's kind of taking them out of their comfort zone and testing Mm. them to their limits. It's a very fertile ground for a lot to happen. Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't sure what to make of this book at first because it was so kind of odd. But I knew that it revealed much to me the more I read it and picked up all these clues. And now I think it's super clever mm. and um, pretty remarkable. Oh, so thank I you, Karen. Wow. I love her. She's just so smart. I'm really pleased that you reviewed it because I have, I've had it on my TBR mm. pile. And I, I was saying to you earlier, I just haven't been that tempted by it. And the cover's not great. The cover's not great. It's a really bad cover. It's, it's awful. I think, yeah, the cover just doesn't say Deborah Levy to me either. Usually no. they're so you know, Beautiful. gorgeous and really and restrained. Cool, a real cool, yeah. calm glassiness. Even the American edition of this book doesn't have a great cover, mm. which is saying something. So Interesting, interesting. But, um, she is just amazing, and I would love it if she came to New Zealand for a writer's festival. I've been wow. hoping for years. Oh, that'd be mm. amazing. So that's my review. Cool. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. I, I'm now going to – it's now going to the top of the TBR oh. pile. <laughs> do you have a copy? A I do. Copy I've got a copy. Work. Yeah, from work. Oh, nice. Yeah, exactly. What date does this one come out? 
Um, I think it's September the 4th. Oh, so next week. Pretty soon. Mm. Yeah. So maybe by the time the pod's out. September the 5th. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Does anyone need a top up? Yeah, let's do a little little dribble. Can you dribble me up? This is the top up of mine. (laughs) And you can crack on with your review. Okay. So I've just finished my book last night. So I'm still processing it. Um, So it's fresh. Very, very fresh. So this is called Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. And actually some of the things you've been speaking about with Deborah Levy feels like it feeds into this as well. Don't you love that? I know. This always happens with us. Yeah. There are always these links. So Susan Choi, this is her fifth novel. She teaches at Yale and NYU, no big deal. But um, <laughs> she, she in her past books, which I haven't read before, it seems like she writes a lot about educational systems and then also power dynamics between teachers and students. And so this is no different. It's um, set in a theatre school um it's oh, called great <laughs> can you imagine anything worse <laughs> sorry oh, sorry i don't i'm very bigoted <laughs> i mean yeah think fame it's set in the early 80s did you just say think fame yeah she did say i love think it. fame i love it yeah uh what, what so, sorry what exactly is fame 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 the movie i don't think fame. i've seen it i know the I song live forever Oh, so not the David Bowie song, different song. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I know the fame song. Yeah, okay, got Jennifer it. Jennifer Beals? Jennifer. She's, she's Flashdance. Oh, that's Flashdance. Jennifer Grey? Oh, no, that's, um, that's Judy, Judy Dancing. Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, should I watch it or no? Yeah, you should watch Fame. Okay, sorry, let's get back on track. Okay. So think, it's like Fame. Think Fame. Think fame. <laughs> if you have seen Fame. So set in the early 80s and it's based at this performance high school called Kappa. And there's a main character called Sarah. She's like a little bit punky, slightly an outsider. And when she, and they're young, they're 14, 15. And when they they go to the school, there's a teacher called Mr. Kingsley who like started this theatre program. He's gay. He worked in New York. He worked on Broadway. And they just love everything that he has to say. And he does lots of trust exercises. So mm. turns off all the lights and they have to crawl around on the floor and feel each other. And, <gasps> oh, um, no, thank <laughs> you. Lots of revealing of secrets and... Um, <laughs> Doing that thing, which I'm sure I've seen. Tina looks distressed. Do you know when they, um, they, I'm sure I've seen it in a movie or something. So people sit with their knees towards each other and they'll say, you are a bottle. And the the other person will say, I am a bottle. And then I'm just looking at a bottle of wine. So that's, and then they'll say it again and again. I just read a book that had the same thing. I am uncomfortable. No, you are uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable. What, What book was it? It was, um. Oh, Expectations by Anna Hope. Ah, yeah. This features a lot in Ooh. in this. So we've got these young, horny kids who are like, you know, they're spending 12 hours a day at school. They're putting on productions. And Sarah um, falls in love with this guy called David. And what I really liked about the start of this book, and it actually reminded me a little bit of normal people in the beginning, is that it's... They feel each other up in, in in the dark room thing and feel an electricity. And then they have this sordid summer love affair. And it's it is electrifying their love and they um they they come back to school but with completely different expectations. Mm. So David comes with this present and gives it to her 
in front of everybody and she's so embarrassed because she thought they would keep their relationship a secret and then from then on something's quite severed this is all in the in the beginning Mm. and so you have these uh it's the so the first third of the book which is called trust exercise is the story of the school and the relationships and sarah is quite an unreliable narrator things don't seem to be explained properly but it makes more sense later on and um there's a bunch of girls as well so it's that kind of cool mean girls stuff where things you know they just stop talking to each other one day and you're not sure why hey can and, i just say something yeah. i just saw something what it's a fucking quote from joan didion on the cover oh, yeah shit. yeah yeah I mean, people always have quotes on the cover saying this is like joan didion yeah which is always bullshit but this is actually a joan quote didion. from joan totally. didion i feel like susan Choi. She knows a lot of people. Like, I feel like she, this book has had such good reviews and previews and talked about in the New Yorker yeah. and the New York Times. And um, So, yeah, there's some really strong parts of this. She's a really dense writer. There's no chapters, and it's just, like, prose like all the way through. But I really liked that because it was kind of that school kids, like, really complicated relationships, but then also the undertone of them being theatre students as well. It's just way more dramatic and over the top. So I've been feeling a bit torn speaking about the second section, which is also called Trust Exercise, because <laughs> I... I um, Dual <laughs> Yeah. I... It's, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. I just don't I don't know because a lot of the reviews say what happens, but then other reviews have been like, I can't believe other reviews are saying what happens in this. But so the ones that have said it, are they reviews that reviewers that you kind of trust? To... Well, yeah, it's like New York Times reviewed yeah. saying what happens. So well, what, does, what do you feel? Um, but I feel like that makes it the most interesting part of the mm-hmm. book. So... I'm just going to say I've had a glass of wine. Okay, so the second part of the book is set in the future and it's narrated by this woman who identifies herself as Karen as one of the people in the first section and she reveals that the first section is a book written by Sarah in inverted commas and she identifies herself as one of the characters but doesn't think it was written correctly. That's way more interesting. Like, that's interesting yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a hook. Yeah, for so, sure. I'm glad that you, t- that you said that. Same. Cause, yeah, I don't know how to explain it properly. So she, without saying that, so she, you meet her waiting at a book launch, <laughs> waiting to talk to this this woman, Sarah, who's written the book. So then you re- the characters are revealed to be mergings of people and or like one particular character and they have a really interesting narrative in the first part is actually made up of three different real life people. And um, so yeah, she's just questioning, questioning the first parts but what happens is Karen is working with this guy David. He's a, He runs a theatre now and he is putting on a play written by a teacher who comes up, not Mr. Kingsley, but a, a visiting teacher from the UK in the first part who was accused of sexual ass- assault or sexual stuff with a student. This is this confusing? Amazing. This sounds yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah, no, no, so, not at all. You're explaining so it really it's well. Super, it's super layered. And I guess the way that you can explain it is 
it being called trust exercise. And there's also a third section also called trust exercise <laughs> is that it's a trust exercise as a reader because what you're reading is not exactly might not be mm. what's happening. So it's it's really like revealed and really unreliable narrators. And so that the play stuff really reminds me of the rehearsal by mm. Eleanor Catton yeah. and the way that adults um, adults are speaking to the students and the students think they're adults but they're not. And I just want to read a really great quote from um, Susan Choi herself, which she writes about her character Karen. And so this is the one who narrates the second section. Um, Karen is a student who has an experience that I think could be recognised by some people who have struggled to know how to feel about a relationship they were involved in in the past when they were young. Karen is really torn between, to put it most simply, blaming the adult in the room at the time and blaming herself because she felt so much like another adult in the room at the time. But now she's really an adult. It's impossible for her not to understand that she was a child. So it's so complex. And these kids are like, when they're 15, they're like getting up to heaps of stuff. But the adults are kind of like egging it on. Mm. And... It has had so many mixed reviews. There are so many like one, two star reviews on Goodreads, which oh I don't God. always trust. Who cares about Goodreads? Goodreads, But um, it's kind of interesting <laughs> to get, a, a, get a, a snapshot of what people are thinking, and I can kind of, I kind of get it. I don't think it's the most perfect book I've ever read, but but it's, it's really smart and it's really ambitious. And there's so many um, comparisons to Asymmetry by Lisa Halliday. Mm. Which I know I've reviewed on here, and I tell you what, I can't remember a thing about it. I do remember Asymmetry, but it didn't... I remember it from what you talked about. I, I read it. I it was, it was, it was Girl and the Older Man on the Bench. Yeah, and I the remember. Older Man's Philip Roth. <laughs> yeah. And it had heaps of... Um, um, apparently. Buzz. <laughs> yeah, so much it. buzz. But So, yeah, think the rehearsal by Eleanor Kidden. It. I think it's worth... I think it's totally worth a read. I'm, I'm very intrigued. Okay. I like the sound of this um, of the structure. I love the conceit of having the different mm-hmm. sections all same. having the same name. I think mm. that's really clever. Mm-hmm. I've walked um, past that book so many times and never bothered to pick it up. But from hearing you talk about it, I think, oh, that sounds like a little bit experimental mm. or yeah. just quite interesting. And I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. And the way she plays with language and how her characters talk about language, you know she's a real academic writer. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it was... I totally thought it was something else. I thought it was going to be another book about a woman locked in a room who was depressed or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We read a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I've got one on the pile right here. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, give it, I would give it a go and just keep reading because you don't know everything until the end. So without giving the game away, were you satisfied by the ending? That's what I'm still working out. So okay. I read section three last night oh, yeah. and I think I am satisfied I think but mm-hmm. it, it's quite zoomed up in the future and mm. um, but it links it links all the parts together yeah oh, thank you for reviewing that yeah, Jenna thanks. and I feel quite like like it's quite special to hear it like just after you finished it mm. as well yeah. when you're still your thoughts are still kind yeah. of forming I felt like it was one of those books that I because I try not to read reviews while I'm reading stuff because mm. they can have spoilers, which I've just kind of given you. But um, uh, I listened to a really great interview with Susan Choi um, on an Australian books podcast, Ooh. actually. 
And Shout that I should have written what it was, but it was um oh, sorry. I'll write it in the in the We'll notes. write it in the episode guide. Yeah, because it was it was like quite it was quite oh, do you know what it was? It was Kirka that was an Australian Kirka book review podcast. Oh, I don't know that one. Um Kirka. And, yeah. And they and they talk about it and then they interview her and um yeah, it was and then they also just talked about their different editors of the magazine talked about um talked about what they were reading as well. So yeah, Good it was quite me. cool. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thanks guys. What a bloody ripper. <laughs> uh, maybe the blind was a bad idea. Um, That's a great idea. No, it was a great idea. I'm feeling really warm. Me too. It is extremely warm in here. Um, should we get on to the TBR pile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Do you want me to go first? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Haven't heard from you in a while, Lou. No. <laughs> Excuse you. No, it's true. Like, we haven't. That's I thought saying. you were joking. No. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, I have a little stack of books here that I may as well talk about because I'll definitely be able to remember their titles because I can see them. Um, so some of them I've actually just finished, including mm-hmm. The New Me by Haley Butler. We've both um, read that. Yeah. Have you guys both read it? Yeah, we've read it. I thought, did I talk about it on the podcast? No. Oh, no. I reviewed <laughs> it Thank on God. Radio. Thank yeah, God. Sorry. That would be a bit shame sorry. on me if you had. Um, what did you guys think of it? it I, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally another girl locked in her room, yeah. depressed. I thought it was crack up. I, it I, it me was up. funny. It was thing, so funny. The thing that I liked about it was its focus on, um, <laughs> like, office politics. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, like, um, oh, God, what's Jenna read name? it before me and then I read it. It's really like my year of rest and relaxation, yeah. which is great because I love that book, but it is kind of this this similar but I have to tell you that my oh Lucy Diver from England England. (laughs) she told me one of the favorite books she's read this year but is by Halle Butler and it's called Gillian and it's again about um office politics it's about two co-workers whose dislike of each other is outweighed by the unhappiness they feel in their own lives which is quite well, I similar think that to could this apply. Oh i my love gosh. so that you've got so amazing. i'll just i'll just quickly say that the protagonist of this is called Millie she's a temp worker and i think it's actually quite a good illustration of someone who um is struggling to remain middle class um, because her parents are middle class, but she's actually kind of not. She's going down mm. the ladder, the social ladder, and all other kinds of ladders. And um, and also the so the woman who's at the new job that she's just gone to, Karen. Karen, <laughs> another Karen. Karen. Of course, her name is Karen. Karen from finance. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's the name of a drag queen. Um, so Karen is just like she's got it in for Millie, and she wants her fired. And you can just. It, it is so funny how much pleasure Karen derives from the thought of getting Millie fired. It's, it's so cracker. It I, is very well I really drawn. like how Karen's character is developed and how you find out her position yeah. in the end. And, yeah, yeah, because you see a lot of stuff from her perspective and she's like, oh, Millie's so useless. And then you and then she like, <laughs> you hear the the actual boss talking about Karen, yeah. like, oh, she's a bit of a character, yeah. you know, she likes, she runs a tight ship, she doesn't like any interlopers. Yeah. I just love them. Um, <laughs> she's like, very ambitious. Millie, just her, like, awareness. Oh, yeah. She's just so not really aware of her environment and how she fits into it and how she relates to other people. Totally. And then it just, when I was reading it, it started making me, <laughs> like, look at 
myself and think, yes. oh my oh, God, sorry. is that me? <laughs> and like looking at your co-workers yeah. eating their little container of almonds. I know, I know. And actually, you know, one morning I had some almonds and I had a little Tupperware container mm. and I was decanting them in and I thought, oh my God, I'm Millie. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm not at the least only you're not one. Karen. I'm not the only one doing it, but you know, um, yeah. It's a good laugh. I've, I've actually, I could not get Gillian anywhere, which says a lot because I'm a bookseller. So I thought yeah. you found a copy. Well, yeah, I found a copy at Third Place Books in Seattle, which yeah. I got sent to my grandparents-in-law's house and my mum just picked it up when she was in Seattle recently yeah. and then is bringing it back to me. So you do have a copy coming. It's, it's in transit it's in, but right that's, now. That's quite, a, yeah, it's quite an effort I to I think it's from. like almost out of, pretty much out of print. Can't wait to read it. Yeah, 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 totally. It's 100 pages. Um, and then I've... Uh... <laughs> Can we not <laughs> go there? Talk about um, Susan Sontag. Yeah, talk about Susan Sontag. Um, so Susan Sontag, Regarding the Pain of Others, a classic of cultural studies, I guess you would call it. What's favourite book? My, one of my three favourite books of yeah. all time. Which I, I haven't read it for 15 years. Yeah. I think that, like, it probably has dated in that past, but only because it's been so influential, I think, mm. in the way that we talk about photography and news and sort of who gets to who gets to be in the position of of being the viewer and who is viewed mm. and who is objectified by the lens of the camera. Um, you know, and, and the whole um, sort of argument over whether... Um, you know, seeing images of violence beyond that first shot, whether it actually does make you empathise or whether it actually, in a way, just kind of further distances you from, from the atrocities. So, you know, she talks a lot about wartime photography um, and so on. It's it's really fantastic. Um, I think that a lot of the arguments in it I had sort of come across mm-hmm. in my day-to-day life, but it was really great to see see them you know written so beautifully she's an incredible writer and mm. just so lucid um and but, just kind of yeah it just kind of brought together a lot of my thinking about like how we consume kind of news media and even though this book actually focuses more on still images i think it's still incredibly relevant to all the video media that we consume now and but, it's weird how much it's not really dated in terms of how the internet has changed things. Mm. It's more just like I feel like I've heard these arguments a lot and that's probably because people have been quoting her a lot. Mm. Yeah, it blew my early 20s mind. Yeah, I wish I, I had read student. it a yeah. little bit earlier. Um, I think possibly if I was a photographer like you are, Jenna, it would probably have even more kind of significance. Mm. Um, I can see how that would be the case because it really talks about photography in a way that I think it doesn't always get talked about. And I read it a lot when I was looking into street photography and like, oh, yes. you know, it's just, you know photographing someone that doesn't know they're being photographed, mm. which I actually feel quite different about that now. Mm. But that's more with new media and people filming people on the train or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I will quickly say that one that I haven't read yet, which I've just picked up, is Suicide Blonde by Darcy Stink mm. or Stink. Not really sure. It's introduced by Maggie Nelson. We love her. Mm. Um, so this is apparently a cult classic um, about a person in her late twenties in San Francisco, kind of an kind of an outsidery drifter, sort of lots of sex and drugs. Um, and just and kind of a coming of age story. And so I found I read about this book in a list of books. I think it was on LitHub or one of those sites. 
um, that was I should have I should have really written this down. Um, and it was something about oh well, you know how novels are famously bad at describing sex scenes. Mm-hmm. This was a list of here's some novels that actually have decent sex scenes in them ah. and, and that deal with sex really well. And so when did it come out? Oh, this is this is an old book. I think this is like a classic um, reissue of it. First published 1992. Mm, yeah, cool. So kind of a Generation X sort of mm. thing. So I'm excited to read that. Probably not immediately, but it's just like you know when you see a book. If I if I'm looking at a list of books, I'm like that looks interesting. I look it up in the library. It's not there. I'm like I've got to buy it, otherwise I'll never read it. Oh, mm. so it wasn't at the library? No, it wasn't at the library. Only in ebook format. Mm. Yeah, interesting. You can't deal with that technology. <laughs> no, I don't know how to work an ebook. <laughs> I have an e-reader, and I look at the things, oh, yeah. but I don't know how to get them onto my e-reader, so I just haven't bothered. I have a yeah. Kindle that my mum gave me, and I'm still working through all the cozy, all, all the crime that's cozy on there. Crime. It's not cozy crime. Some of it's actually extremely dark. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, she's like, oh, she was like, oh, have you put some new books on it? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to read all the books you put on there. I I'm cheap. I do have a Kobo, but I haven't fired it up in years. <laughs> oh, I just, I just fired it up recently. Yeah. I don't right. know where it is, actually. So that's my TBR pile, slash already read. Great. Who's next? You can be next Okay, so I've, prob- I've already told you guys what my <laughs> TBR books are, but I'll, I'll just um, say again. So um, Ducks Newbury Port by mm. Lucy Alman, um, published by Galley Beggar Press, who do great publishing, and I love their covers as well. Mm. Really kind of akin to Fitzcarraldo books that um, I really love, the minimalism and um, yeah, Ohio Housewife in a monologue, really funny, really crack up. Kind I'm of, surprised that you say that it's funny. That's not what I expected for some funny. reason. I thought it would be like bleak no, and well, sort of Marilyn Robinson-esque. Oh yeah, so it, it is domestic and there is a lot of, um, because it's her inner world and she's reflecting on so much um I'm only about 130 pages through, so I've got a long way to go. Who knows, it might get very bleak. But um, there's just it reminds me a little bit of The Years by Annie Erno, which is my favourite book of the year so far, in that it has this really kind of wide sweep of all these um, references of events and products. Mm, Um, mm, mm. But, yeah, she is super funny so far. And also, yeah, Night Boat to Tangier by Kevin Barry, which is... um, Set late night um, in a Spanish port with these two aging Irish gangsters, Charlie and Morris, and they're waiting for a boat to come through from Tangier so they can search for a girl who's gone missing. And um, you kind of think, oh, yeah, these are these nice kind of hapless old dudes. But you kind of learn more about their backstory and the super have super, super dark, violent um, backstories and really great great kind of patois um, and language and it's very much like a kind of play Mm. Um, I'm only about 30 pages through but yeah that's my to be read and also the next book that's third book along is a collection of essays by Linda Burgess who is a Wellington writer and she's had essays published on the spin-off and her collection of essays is going to be published by Ellen and Unwin um, next week, well, which will be early September. And it's called Someone's Wife. Mm. And it's a collection of personal essays. And I will be doing a session with her where um, 
we'll be in conversation together around her book in Auckland, Mount Eden, um, September the 16th. So I really like her writing. I think she's great. So I can't wait to read this book and be in conversation with her. I don't know if this is a a terrible thing to say, but there were three people that were brought up that the book was like in the press release. I know. I can't remember who they were, but they were all amazing. So one was Ashley Young. Yeah. Um, the other one was Joan Didion. Yeah. And I can't remember who the other one was, but it was another. You know, it was sort of like the wisdom of blah, blah, and yeah. the emotional revealingness of someone else. Yeah. Oh, I was hooked. <laughs> it's very hooky, but yeah. I do really like her writing. She's pretty sharp. And if you want to taste her before the book comes out, um, there are pieces on the spinoff. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. So that's my to be read. I've just got two on my TBR at the moment. Last night I started a VUP book called All the Juicy Pastures, Greville, Texador in New Zealand by Margot Schwoss. I really laughed because in the beginning of the book, in the foreword, she um, <laughs> brings up old mate Steve Fraunius again. about um, He wrote this piece in the, on the spin-off in 2017 called Snouts and Troughs. Who got what to write things few people will read. And he, he wrote about Margot getting this creative New Zealand funding. Ah, like She's been given this money to write about someone called Greville Texador. And so she is saying, yeah, no one knows who she is and they need to know mm. this woman. And so Greville was a one-time Bloomsbury insider, globetrotting chorus line dancer, former heroin addict, anarchist, militia woman and recent inmate of Holloway Prison and then arrived in New Zealand as a refugee in 1940 and she wrote she lived here for 10 years and she wrote really solidly solidly Um, (laughs) solidly I like also Um, that's how we do write in New Zealand and she was like a central member of Frank Sargent's circle of writers so she and she left New Zealand and she wrote and then um, killed herself like, you know, mm. great bleak. She killed herself um, in New Zealand? No, in Australia. God damn it. Um, but <laughs> she's kidding. But she wrote about New Zealand in that small amount of time as this person who had seen the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm just, I'm in the beginning, I'm just really enjoying it so far. There's beautiful photographs. It's a beautifully published book. And I think it's quite a nice book to give to someone who's mm. perhaps like, Someone who loves New Zealand nonfiction, they probably wouldn't have heard of her before. Mm. And oh, it's just slipped my mind, but the VUP have also published her a collection of her fiction yeah. at the same time. Do you remember what that's called? I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful cover, and it's blue, and it has this beautiful painting <laughs> oh of her God. on the cover. Um, and I'm already, by reading about what she's writing about, I already really want to read that book. Mm, wonderful. And, and then um, I've got lined up, because I'm about to review it on RNZ on the 7th of September, this book called Doxology by Nell Zink, published by HarperCollins. I've read mm. Mislaid by Nell Zink. She's mm. a like protege of um, Fran- Jonathan Franzen, so very American right. New Yorky type stories, but um, but she's uh, cooler than him. Yeah, she's <laughs> like yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, the New Yorker released a piece today. Um, the headline was Nell Zink's satire raises the stakes, and New York Times says this is her most ambitious and expensive novel yet. To be honest. Like, when I read the back of it, I'm just like, oh, whatever. But I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> um, it's about a punk band in New York in the 90s, and then it has um, 9-11 in it as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm going to 
give it a go. So I have to confess, I had a copy of that sitting at home maybe for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I'll read it, I'll read it. Because, you know, I have a thing about, um, I'm always keen to read the next great rock novel. And I love music and I love punk rock. And I've liked what I've read of hers in the past. But it just kind of kept sitting there and I thought, I'm being greedy, I'll take it back yeah (laughs) um, but yeah but but that's what trust exercise was for me it sat Mm. on my bedside table for maybe four months and keep getting moved down (laughs) the pile yeah yeah I actually have a a due date on Nell Zink so I have to read it uh yeah but those are my TBRs for now thank you guys for your TBRs that's us huh that's us well the bottle of bubbles has officially run out the tide's out maybe yeah, it's time to. It's officially time to go. So thank you so much to Tina. Thank you to the spin-off Woo. for having us. Thank you to the Matatui Foundation for your support. And um, Gina has something that she'd like to say about oh, our book giveaway. She's I like waved. pointing, like frantically waving. I'm like I was waving it out over China earlier today. Um, just a reminder: if you want to try and win this copy of Inland by Tia Albrecht. Really given lovely, lovingly given to us by Hachette. Just email us to let us know what prize the Tiger's Wife won at what is our email address? Papercutspot at It's all falling apart. Um, yes, sorry, do Lou, that. I just had to. By all means, by all means. Um, and please also subscribe and rate us. It says here on my piece of paper that. When people rate us, it makes a huge difference to a wider audience finding us. It actually does. People will find you. So if you do um, rate and even leave like a little comment or anything, then other people will pick up on that. That would mean so much to us. And I know that it's kind of weirdly a huge hassle for what a small thing it is. So we appreciate every every rating. Even unsubscribe and (laughs) resubscribe. Apparently that does something. And you can even just like rate every few months. And apparently that does something too. I don't know how because all the... Analytics are very secret, but <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, and so you can also hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter at papercutspod, and you can email us again as papercutspod at gmail.com. <laughs> Paper cuts. Paper. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. Thanks, the spin off. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Bye for now. Thank you. <laughs>